Hey, this morning we are uh, kicking off a new summer series entitled Numbers, hashtag but not numbers. Uh, That's something that we did last summer. It seemed like a lot of people resonated with it, and so we're doing it again for a couple of weeks here uh, this summer. Here's the basic gist, what we're going to be talking about. Our lives are filled with, inundated by numbers. Are they not? That video kind of gave us a few examples. There are telephone numbers, license plate numbers, social security numbers, credit card numbers, bank account numbers, house numbers, student ID numbers, medical record numbers. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. There's a lot of numbers in our life. Numbers are everywhere, from your age, a number that most women don't like to talk about, to uh, to your GPA, a number most teens don't like to talk about. Uh, There's a number that you hope is never read, which is your bank account number, and a number that always goes red, which is the power left on your cell phone, right? It's like, no, not right now. Numbers are everywhere, a huge part of our life, and they're a huge part of the Bible. In fact, uh, in the Bible, there's a book called the Book of Numbers, Uh, but that's not what we're going to be talking about in this series. Uh, In the Bible, there are also very symbolic numbers, right? 3, 12, 47. These numbers represent things and speak to different things. Those are important, but again, not the numbers that we're going to be talking about. Uh, The numbers that we want to discuss the next couple of weeks are the little numbers in the Bible that are on the top of each page and before each sentence. Those are called chapters and verses. They've been around since about the 16th century. Uh, They were divided into those numbers at that point. And although they look somewhat insignificant, you might not ever notice or care much about those numbers, uh, they are very important to many of us. You see, those numbers provide us a much easier way to study and and read and teach this particular book. It'd be real hard to say, okay, about three quarters of the way through, second paragraph down, third sentence in. We'd all be reading something different, I imagine. So those numbers are addresses, if you will, that help us to get at the same place at the same time. But they're also bookmarks in a way, right? Those numbers help us to remember and reflect on. Those numbers help us to connect with certain passages that have changed our lives, right? Those aren't just numbers, but they're, they're markers that point to a truth, right? Why on earth am I on the earth? Well, it's all about the numbers 1-1, Genesis 1-1, or maybe even the numbers... Uh, 2911, Jeremiah 2911, right? Because those numbers, they tell you why on earth you are on the earth. Those numbers mean something. They point to something. Will I be able to get through this really difficult situation? Of course you will. The numbers 413, Philippians 413, as well as the numbers 1926, Matthew 1926, they tell you that because of God and through Christ, you can make it through this difficult moment. Is there a life after this life? Is there more to come? The numbers 6-4, Romans 6-4, Titus 3-7, those numbers tell us there is more to come. In fact, the best is yet to come. And so those numbers, 1-1, 29-11, John 3-16, all those different numbers, they're significant numbers. I hope they're the most significant numbers because they point to life-changing truth. And so we're gonna do this summer is just talk about a few of our favorites. And I'm excited this morning to kick it off with the numbers 2-25. The number's 225. All right, do we have any teachers in here this morning? Raise a hand if you've ever been a teacher, are a teacher. Will we give those folks a round of applause for teaching? You can tell who those folks are right now because they're either up in the mountains on vacation or they're here with the biggest smile on their face, right? Middle of summer, you know a teacher when you see one. But I just want to thank the teachers this morning. It's a, it's a huge responsibility. Uh, and, and of course, you've probably seen this bumper sticker, but it's true. If you can read this, thank a teacher. And if you can read this, you probably are a teacher, right? Maybe you've seen that sign before. But there's so much truth to that, is there not? I mean, if you can read that, if you can read anything for that matter, if you can subtract, add, multiply, or divide anything, if you can, do, if you can conjugate anything, if you can spell anything, if you can do just about anything, you probably have a teacher to thank for that. 
Studies show that we spend 15,000 hours in class around a teacher between kindergarten and senior year of high school. That's a lot of time around teachers. They have a profound impact in our life. It's safe to say that teachers help shape and mold not only individuals, but teachers can help shape and mold entire families, entire neighborhoods, even entire generations. Now, I bring all that up, not simply because my mom's in the audience and she was a teacher, so I love you, mom, little shout out, right? Uh, I bring that up because the scripture highly exalts teachers. It speaks so positively of teaching. Let me show you what I mean. Like all good things, teaching finds its source in the nature of God himself. We can trace back the beginning of teaching to the source of all things, God. Job 36, 22, God is exalted in his power. Who is a teacher like him. Isaiah 2, 3 says, many people will come and say, come, let's go to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. Let's go to church because he will teach us his ways so we may walk in his paths. See, teaching is rooted in who God is and what God does best. Teaching is also rooted in who Jesus was. One of Jesus's primary roles and identities here on the earth was that of teacher. You remember how many people uh, welcomed him or how many people greeted him? What did they say? Good teacher. Good teacher. What do you say about this? Good teacher. What, what's your thought about this? And more than that, it says in Matthew 7, 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. After Jesus left the scene, the disciples uh, took this ball and ran with it. They became teachers themselves. They started teaching anyone and everyone. I love how this plays out. Acts 4.2 says, they, the city leaders, were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So, Acts 4.18, they called them in, the city leaders called the disciples in and commanded them not to speak or teach anymore in the name of Jesus. And I love how they obeyed, Acts 5.42, so day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching. They were teaching all the time. They were told to stop, and it says they never stopped teaching. It's one of the main things the apostles did was so teach other people. All right, so pastor, is this just some uh, ploy, some fancy tactic to get more volunteers in the children's ministry over the summer? Or is this a way to get more teachers in class uh, in a time of year when everybody's out and about? Not exactly, but if you do feel convicted about that, please come find me afterward, Okay. Is this some twisted way of convicting people to do more for Teacher Appreciation Week next May or to make them feel guilty for not doing enough for Teacher Appreciation Week last May? Again, no, but if you do feel convicted, by all means, go big next year, okay? The teachers won't mind. I bring all of this up because not only does the scripture highly exalt teachers and teaching, it actually calls every single Christian to be a teacher, now, I'm not talking about changing your profession or, or standing in front of a classroom or getting paid by the district. There's a different kind of teaching that every Christian is expected to do, and I want to talk about that with you this morning. Throughout the scripture, it's clear that the responsibility of every believer is to teach. See, the final words of Jesus are called the Great Commission, the Great Co-Mission, a mission that all of us have together. And he shares these words with us because I believe these words apply to us. Remember what Jesus said, Matthew 8, 28, 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
Now we love this verse and we talk a lot about it, right? It talks about the authority and superiority of Christ. It talks about um, the importance of international missions all the world. It talks about the who and the what and the why of baptism. It talks about Jesus being your faithful companion, right? This empowerment that will always be around you. But I don't think I've ever heard a single sermon on the teaching element of the Great Commission. You make disciples, you baptize others, you experience what we experienced last Sunday when everyone teaches someone else, when teaching is a big part of what we do. Or maybe that verse doesn't convince you that you're called to be a teacher. Maybe that's just for a certain group or it was for the apostles or, or the paid professionals. I'm not sure that's the case when it comes to Paul's words in Colossians 3. Look at Colossians 3, 16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. So here, the Apostle Paul is writing to a church in a city called Colossae, and he's saying to all of them, hey guys, you know what makes you a Christian? You know what, what makes you more like Jesus? When you teach other people. That's what I want you to be doing when you come together as a church. I want you to be teaching one another. All right, still, maybe you're not convinced that teaching is a universal call for all Christians. Hebrews 5 is going to make the argument even stronger, beginning in verse 12. In fact, the author says, by this time you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, though, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. So a little context here. The writer is writing to another church, and it sounds like he's a little frustrated with them. And he's saying, guys, right now you should be teachers. That's the goal. That's the hope. That's the point of maturation that you should be reaching. And yet you're not teaching anybody right now. You're still sitting back being taught by another. He says, no, 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 that, that's not the goal for you. The goal is to teach others. Now, you might say, but pastor, I know in the scripture somewhere it talks about teaching being kind of a special gift that only a few people have. So, so not everybody is supposed to be a teacher. I mean, it says there's some for this and some for this and some for this and some for this, right? Well, let's look at that passage, Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11. These are the gifts of Christ that he gave to the church, first apostles and prophets, the evangelists and pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be more mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So yes, this passage does teach that teachers, there's a special calling on their life. There's a unique gifting that some have to teach others. But did you see why they received that gift? It's to build up and help the rest of the church measure up. See, the evangelist is not the only one who is supposed to go out and spread their faith with other people. The evangelist is gifted in evangelism to teach the rest of the church how to evangelize. The teacher is not gifted in teaching, so he or she is the only one doing the teaching. The teacher is gifted, so he or she will teach the rest of the church how to teach. You with me? Those five are gifted in that way, in those areas, pastors, pre, you know, prophets, preachers, teachers, evangelists, they are gifted in those ways to help the rest of the church learn how to do those things. It's not so that they can just, everybody else can just sit back. It's like, well, that guy teaches, that guy preaches, and I just volunteer for like yard duty. No, 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 that's not what the teacher, that's, that's what the, the scripture teaches. Everybody should be doing these things. 
For far too long, though, we believe that evangelists evangelize, prophets prophesy, and teachers teach, and everybody else just kind of sits back and watches. That's not true. And that brings us to our numbers for the morning. 225, 2 Timothy 225. Nobody guessed it correctly this week, so it looks like pastor's going to Chick-fil-A tomorrow with the gift card. Better luck next week, church. Hope you win, but I'm not mad if you don't. But no one was able to guess it because it's, it's a tough passage. It's kind of like a middle of a, a run-on sentence, so I, I know it was a hard one to start with. But let me read to you this whole little section of, of text because I think it speaks powerfully to what we're talking about this morning. 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone. We probably just stop there and preach on that for a while, right? Like, oops. <laughs> must be able to teach and not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who's taken them captive to do his will. So those are our numbers, 225. Hopefully you notice kind of this teaching theme that, that was throughout this entire section of text, right? It says that the, the servant of the Lord, anybody who is a believer, anybody who follows Jesus Christ should be able to teach. This is not for pastors. This is not for paid professionals, okay? This is for the entire church. He's, Paul is saying to Timothy, this is what you are to teach every single believer, that they should be able to teach. Why? That's a really weird qualification to be a Christian, Right, or, or a result of being a Christian. Why? Because opponents to the faith, those who don't believe in Jesus, those who have never heard about Jesus before, those who are actually hostile to Jesus, they must be gently instructed. And that's what teachers do, right? They gently instruct so that others will be led to a knowledge of the truth. I mean, teaching is buried in that entire passage. Christians should be able to teach because those who don't believe need to be taught so that everybody at one point in time will know. You with me? That's what Paul is saying here in the Numbers 2, 25. So coming to know Jesus, it's like coming to know your ABCs. It's like coming to know the multiplication table. It's like learning how to ride your bike, learning how to drive a car. Someone taught you. That's how it is when it comes to knowing Jesus. Think back even in your own faith, in your own development. Did someone teach you about Jesus or did you just figure it out all on your own? Was there a parent? Was there a friend? Was there a coworker? Was there a Bible class teacher, a preacher? I mean, who went out of their way to teach you more about God? That's how you learned about him. And now what the author is saying in Hebrews is once you learn about him, you go and teach somebody else. You don't just sit and keep learning and learning and learning and learning. You eventually take the learning, flip it, and start doing the teaching. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not preaching myself out of a job here, okay? I still believe there's a special call for preachers but I do believe that everybody's called to be a teacher at one level or another. But right now, if you think about it, our current model of church and most across the, the Western uh, world, the current model is teaching only happens. The teaching of God's word only happens when? In this 37-minute window during the sermon. It only happens on Sunday mornings or if you've got a really cool hip church on Saturday nights, right? That's the only time teaching happens. When the paid professional, the one or two men or women, utilize their gift, that's when teaching happens. That's not what the scripture is teaching at all. In fact, it's saying, like the writer of Hebrews is saying, everybody should be teaching. Not all at the same time in the same moment and not just on Sunday mornings. Teaching should be happening all the time out there in the world. All right, as a teacher myself, at the collegiate level as well as, you know, as a preacher, I've spent some time kind of thinking about and, and evaluating the effectiveness of a good teacher. What makes a good teacher a good teacher? Right? What makes you a great teacher? 
So I've, I've spent some time kind of looking into that. I mean, is it, is it when you make their class laugh? Is it when you give them something, you know, to chew on? Is it when they have a take home? Is it practical? I mean, what makes a great teacher a great teacher? To be a great teacher, does your whole class have to stand on a desk and say, oh, captain, my captain? You've seen Dead Poet Society, you know what I'm talking about. What makes a good teacher a good teacher? Well, this, this is kind of what I came up with. I think one, knowing your stuff, right? Getting the message right is important. A teacher needs to be teaching truth, right? Two plus two is six, eh, you're not a good teacher. So do you know the truth? Do you know what is right? That, that, that's important, would you agree? How about communicating truth in such a way where I understand it? That's important as a teacher as well. First, you gotta know what you're talking about. Secondly, you gotta talk about it in a way that I get it. Then third, I think, is not only do you understand the stuff and teach it in a way that I understand it, but you teach it in a way where I actually apply it. I take what you've taught me and I start to do it. And if you think about it, that's how we typically all have defined good teaching and especially good preaching. Does the preacher know his stuff? Does he communicate it in a way that connects to my life? And do I actually do something with it in my life? If so, great preaching, bam, thank you so much, I'll see you next Sunday. Right? That, that's been the entirety of great preaching, great teaching. But 225, those numbers, 225, they teach us there's a whole other level to teaching. I think 225 shows us that those three things we just mentioned, knowing your stuff, communicating in a way that makes sense, and helping me to apply it to my life, that's only three out of four. And that's only 75%. That's only a C. And I'm not happy with a C. I don't want to be a C-level teacher. That, that was funny, C level, like a Pepperdine. Anyway, sorry, it was stupid. Get it? <laughs> okay. There's another element, and 225 says there's one more part of teaching that you need to be focusing on. Here's what it is. A teacher is only great or truly successful when the people they teach go out and teach another. That's when you know you've been a great teacher. One author put it this way, you release the learners to fulfill the task of teaching. And that's the only way a teacher can fulfill 100% of his calling. I mean, think about that now, church. It's only great teaching, it's only great preaching, not when you laugh throughout the whole thing, not when you stop and think throughout the whole thing, not when you do something after the whole thing is over. That, that's not great teaching or preaching. It's great teaching and preaching when the, te the people you are teaching go out and teach others the very same thing they themselves just learned. You with me now? You following? Now, I know this is not a room of teachers and preachers, but eh, based on those passages I just read, the servant of the Lord must be able to teach. Why are you not teachers by now, Hebrews is calling. Colossians 3, teach one another. Go into all the world teaching people, right? This is a call for all of us. Again, we're not standing in front of a classroom, might not be a bullhorn, might not be a lecture hall, but we are teachers nonetheless. And I want you to be a great teacher, which means that when you teach somebody, they go out and teach somebody else, and then they go out and teach somebody else. And now we're starting to get to that first century model of church. You with me? That's called the multiplication of disciples. That's called disciples making disciples. That's not called preachers teaching to the masses. That's not how it works. I'm not sure if you've noticed this or not, but the world is not running into the church on a Sunday morning. There's a lot of other cool things, especially in Colorado, to do on Sunday morning. But Jesus never said, expect the world to come in here. He never said that should be what we're banking on. I mean, think about the Great Commission with me, right? Think about this. Jesus did not say, Go out to others. Or he did say, go out to others. He did not say, expect them to come into you. Right? He said, um, he didn't word it this way. Sorry, I'm butchering that. But he didn't say it this way. All authority on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore, gather up the masses in your church buildings on Sunday. Let one person do the talking and hopefully someone will be baptized. And I'm with you when you do that. That's not what he said, right? He said, go out, go out into all the world, go. Kevin, I'm messing you up. I'm flipping it all around on you, brother. Go out into all the world, go. And, and you as believers, you do the teaching. Every Christian take it upon themselves to do the teaching of the scripture because that's how you will reach the masses. They're not gonna come in here. We go out there. And when we teach another and they teach another and they teach another, all of a sudden you have the first century explosion of faith like we did. And if you think about it, it makes sense why the Lord would call us to do this, right? They say that the best way to learn something is to what? Teach it. The best way to learn something is to teach it. It actually sticks and you learn it better when you teach it to another. Uh, a friend showed me a, a graph here this past week. He uh, sent a picture on his phone. Not sure if you could read this or not, but 5%. We remember 5%. You know what the, the word is underneath that? After a lecture. So that is really encouraging for a guy like me, knowing that tomorrow you will forget 95% of the stuff that I'm saying right now. Like, wow, awesome. Right, then it kind of builds up and it goes a little bit further down the road. Right, when you read something, that's why we put the text on there, why it's important to have your Bible, because when you read it, eh, you'll maybe remember 10% of it. Right, when you see an audio visual of it, that helps too, a little picture on the screen helps you remember about 15, 20% of it. Demonstration, if somebody shows you how to do it, chances are you'll remember more. A discussion group helps a lot because you've got to try to kind of uh, think through it yourself. You've got to put it in your own words and, and help other people to make sense of it. That, that helps a little bit. You do it, you learn it, but look at number one. You will remember 90% of the stuff you learn when you teach it. Is that why the Lord calls all of his people to be teachers? Because I can guarantee you guys, when you want to grow in your faith, you will step out in faith and start teaching. That, that's the next step for many of you. In fact, many of you have grown stagnant or stale in your faith. You've kind of reached your faith development peak because you're not teaching anybody else. Teaching is the next step for you. I can guarantee you, when you are teaching somebody else, and again, I'm talking one-on-one -on -one setting, maybe a little small group setting, somebody at your workplace, they're just asking questions about your faith, about the Bible, about your church, whatever. When you're teaching somebody actively in that way, I can guarantee you're gonna be praying a lot more than you normally do because suddenly you need God to show up or else you're gonna make a mess of this thing. You're gonna suddenly be reading the Bible a lot more. Why? Because you suddenly realize I need some answers. People are asking questions. I need some material to actually share with them. When you're teaching another person, you might actually pay attention on a Sunday morning and remember more than 5% because you're gonna take what we're teaching you and hopefully go and teach it to somebody else. So I think the Lord has made it to where teaching is the way that we grow the most in the faith. And so if you are stuck right now, if you don't feel like you're growing a whole lot, it's time to teach. It's time to utilize and come through on this calling of you being a teacher. And again, I already hinted at it. Teaching not only is a blessing to you, it's a blessing to the world. The Bible says that the gates of hell cannot withstand a church on fire, a church fully alive. I'm not talking about a church with thousands of people in an auditorium. I'm talking about a church where the people are taking what they're learning and teaching it to others. I mean, think about this with me for a second, church. A church of 20,000 could have the exact same or even less of an impact, kingdom impact, than a church of 200. Why do I say that? Because a church of 20,000, if only like 1% of them taught or shared their faith to other people throughout the week, and that church of 200, every single person was committed to doing that, those churches are on equal footing. So we're not talking about gathering the masses. We're talking about this church, every person in here committed to teaching another person about the Lord when they leave this place. 
That's an incredible thing. And that's how the ends of the earth will come to know about Jesus. So I don't want you to think that teaching is this 33, 37-minute prepackaged sermon that I give you. No, biblical preaching is the call of every believer to facilitate the spiritual learning, the spiritual development of another person. And all of us have been called to do that. But it's scary, isn't it? And it's hard. It's like teaching. I'm not a teacher. I don't even know who I would teach. I don't even know if I was asked a question what I would say. I don't know enough to teach. I don't even know how to teach. I don't know who in my life I would teach. I understand that. Let's talk through that for a few minutes. I mean, I get it's easier to listen to a podcast about faith, isn't it, than to actually share your faith with another person. It's easier, but it's sad that that's easier. It's a lot easier to read a devotional book by yourself than to ask somebody else if they'd like to read this book with you, isn't it? That's just so sad. That's easier to do. It's easier to work on our own stuff than to help somebody else figure out, work through their stuff. I hate that it's easier, but it's just so much easier. It's easier to pour all of our effort and all of our energy and all of our resources into programs, into models and events, you know, big worship things or camps or service projects, a big Christmas show, instead of just teaching somebody. Instead of just teaching somebody. One pastor said this, uh, this past week I was reading, and, and I don't mean to offend anybody, but because of our history here, it applies perfectly. It says this, we as Christians will dress up as a reindeer on the stage in a Christmas play, but we won't invite someone over to dinner and ask them if they know about Jesus Christ. We'll get up here and be a reindeer, right? I don't know if that's how reindeers run or whatever, but, but we won't take the step of just asking, hey, would you like to learn more about God? What do you know about Jesus? Would you like to learn more about your calling and your purpose in this life and, and why on earth you're on this earth? Would you like to learn more about that? I'd love to teach you. That's what the scripture is hinting at. When each of us has this desire, I'd love, I'd love to teach you about where you've been, where you come from, why you're here and where you're going. I'd love to teach you. Do you have that spirit? Do you have that desire? That, that's our hope, okay? Teaching others about Christ, it's not just the call of the professionals. It's how folks will find life now and forever. And so it's our great responsibility to do it. So let's talk through what this might look like. Let's give you a couple of practical suggestions as we come to a close. Uh, we've joked about it this morning, but teaching a Bible class or teaching the kids here at church, that is an option, a very real option and one that we always have available to you. If you are interested in teaching one of our adult classes, we're looking to start some new kind of Bible basic classes. If you'd like to teach the little ones, they have their own little worship right now during this time. Shar presents a little sermon, kind of the same sermon we've been talking about here to them in their language. If you'd love to do that or be a part of that, come find me. Teaching the kids is a huge way to utilize and use your gift of teaching, your calling to teach. Uh, but more than that, uh, I think the huge need is for us to teach our own families. Right? The opportunity for you to teach somebody else, it's right there in your own house. Your spouse, your kids, your grandkids, they, they have been placed in your life because God wants you to teach them something about eternal life. We don't have time to get into it now, but in Jewish culture, teaching your family members about the Lord, that was the greatest responsibility you had. That was the highest calling you had. I already talked about binding the truth on your kids' foreheads, making it so, you know, your home so infused with truth that they couldn't leave without knowing it, without believing it. So they didn't say, oh, teachers just teach out there at school and teachers at the church just teach. No, no, a Jewish man and a woman, husband and wife, committed to teaching their own kids about faith. And so if you want to start utilizing and using this call to teach, start at home. Just teach the people that God has placed you with. And those are going to be some hard ones to teach, right? But it's homeschool. We're all homeschooled in a way or not. 
One way or another, we're all homeschooled. We're gonna learn faith. We're gonna learn about God. We're gonna learn about love. We're gonna learn about sacrifice. We're gonna learn about servitude. We're gonna learn it somewhere. And the scripture says, the family should be the one teaching you those things. So if you wanna teach here at the church, great. If you wanna wanna teach your family, that'd be awesome. But my sincere hope is that many of us would, would start to teach those outside of this church and even those outside of our families. Again, it's to live out the great commission. I'm gonna challenge you to do one of three things over the next couple of weeks. And I'll try to hold you accountable to these things. I want you to seek out an individual. I want you to start a small group. I want you to speak truth and love to somebody. Okay, let's walk through those things real fast. Seek out an individual. I would start praying right now and and have this prayer be your prayer for the next seven days straight. Lord, who in my life do you want me to teach something to? Not like in an arrogant kind of way, right? Like, oh, I got something to teach you. No, 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 no. Who in my life needs to learn something more about you? Who have you placed around me that's my great call, my great responsibility to teach them? Who would that be? Then I would just be hypersensitive to what happens the next couple of days, right? Throw out some comments like, oh, the other day I was listening to some worship music or at church we were talking about heaven and uh, the other day I was listening to this, this preacher talk about blah, 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 right? Just throw out some kind of Christianese words and see who responds. I guarantee you there'll be some people like, really, that's kind of cool. The guy who's like, shut up, might not be the best option. But I doubt anybody's gonna say that to you. We are so afraid of what the response is gonna be and I can guarantee the response is gonna be pretty positive if you would just be bold and courageous. So just throw out some ideas, some thoughts and see who responds. That might be someone the Lord wants you to teach something to. Let's do a little activity actually. If I forced you, if I required you next week uh, or said to you, you cannot come in these doors, you cannot come in the sanctuary unless you bring a non-Christian friend or family member with you. You can't come in here unless someone is linked arm to arm who does not believe in Jesus. Who would you bring right now? Two seconds. Who's that person? Who immediately came to mind? Was it a family member? Was it a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, a classmate? Who was it? That person, good chance, because they're on your heart, on your mind right now, that person is someone who needs to learn something from you. God has placed you in their life and vice versa for a teaching moment. All right, so seek out an individual. Second thing you could do is start a small group of some sort. Normally we talk about small groups in church, about these little groups of Christians that come together and help each other through life. And I get that and I value that. I'd love to see a bunch of small groups come out of West Bowles, be birthed out of West Bowles, not a formal ministry. It's a bunch of, uh, it's one Christian family though, surrounded by a bunch of non-Christian families. And that one Christian family is trying to help the other ones through life, help them find life. You with me? I'd love to see that happen. I mean, I'd love to see some of our families invite their neighbors over for like a monthly dinner. Maybe just invite folks over for dinner. Just, just say a, a, a sweet little prayer before dinner and that's it. Get to know the people. Maybe you do a little book study in your neighborhood once a week. Maybe you watch faith-based movies out in the cul-de-sac and you talk about them afterwards. But gather a group of people together and just kind of start teaching. Start putting truth out there and just see what happens. Again, I guarantee you, amazing stuff will come as a result. We had some friends, he told me a few days ago, they're getting together some of their um, high school, college friends. Most of them have walked away from the faith. They're getting them together, just gonna talk about God. Like, what, is it, what does that mean? And, and let's just get back to the basics. So he's inviting them over for dinner. And they're just gonna talk openly and honestly about faith stuff. We have another friend who, um, their daughter is in our, our little girl's second grade class. And, and she said, hey, I'm gonna invite most of the class to come over on Tuesdays throughout the summer. And I'm gonna teach the Bible. I'm gonna go through the biblical narrative, drama, hands-on activities. Anybody who wants to come over, we're gonna learn more about God throughout the summer on Tuesdays. And at the end of that, we're gonna do a big garage sale and raise money for Compassion International. This woman was taking on the role of teacher, right? She wanted to live out the call of 225 to, to teach other people. And then finally, I would just encourage you 
to just speak truth to somebody, right? Just speak truth and love to somebody this week. There are so many people that God has placed in our life who need to hear some truth. There are people in your life right now who need to learn what it looks like and what it means to have a better marriage. Teach them. Christian, teach them. There are so many people in our life right now who need to learn what it means to be financially stable, to get out from under this huge mound of debt that they're living in. Christian, teach them. Teach them. There are so many people in our life right now who need to learn what it means to forgive others. Their ex, someone that they were hurt by before, right? Their abuser, their attacker, whatever it is. Teach them. Christian, teach them. Teach them truth and do it in love. 225 calls us all to be teachers. And there are so many opportunities for all of us to do just that. Again, I want to encourage you and challenge you. If you're stuck in your faith, if you feel like you're kind of stagnant right now, it's most likely because the next thing you're called to do as a believer is to stop just listening, stop just learning this stuff and start teaching it. Teach it to another, teach it to another. Hold on one second, we'll do a question at the end. One last thing, I want as a church to come alongside of you as we do this, okay? So know that we're committed over the next couple of weeks and months, we're committed to providing, with, providing you with as many resources as we possibly can. So we're gonna start several new classes in the fall. Some will be weeknights. Some will be during the Bible class time here at church. Some of these classes are just Bible basics, teaching you the Bible, but most of them will be teaching you how to teach other people the Bible. We're gonna do something called the Bethel series. We're gonna do a couple other things that are really cool that the church has done before, uh, important moments. We're also gonna give you a lot more resources at the next step table. We're gonna give you some devotional books, some conversation starters, give you ideas on how to start a small group in your neighborhood, not a Christian small group, but a small group to reach people for Christ. Uh, that's our hope and goal is to empower you as best as we can, okay? Because I believe that all of us have been called in one way or another uh, to teach folks. I know we've got a lot of questions. I know there's a lot of stuff out there. Come find me right afterward and we'll make sure that we talk about that. Let me pray for us and we'll get you out of here. God, we thank you for who you are and that you are a great teacher. You have taught us what it means to have life. You've taught us through your word. You've taught us through your son. You've taught us through your spirit. You've taught us through your church and we thank you for that. We would not know these things without you teaching them to us. We would not know what it means to sacrifice. We would not know what it means to humble ourselves. We would not know what it means to, to serve others. We would not know what it means or, or that it's true that when we give away our life, we actually find it, that there is life in death. There is forgiveness. We would not know these things unless you taught them to us. And so we thank you for that. And now we ask, Lord, that you would empower us to be teachers. Send us out into this world. We each have a, a, a classroom sitting around us, God, in different ways, symbolically speaking, that you want us to teach your word to. And so would we get excited about that this morning and not shirk away from that or shy away from that responsibility anymore, but would we teach those people in our life who need to be taught, who need to be led to a knowledge of you. Please make it so. We will be transformed and many others will as well if we live out the words in 225. Make it so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, church, for being here today. Have a great week. God bless you guys. Come find me if you have any questions or concerns.